And hello, movie lovers, and welcome to the show today. For today's podcast episode, we're going to be doing a Quiet Place spoiler review. So if you haven't seen The Quiet Place or anything like that, and you're not wanting spoilers, go on ahead and go to my other episode for a non-spoiler review. But if you don't mind spoilers or anything like that, then this is the place for you, and you can go on ahead and we'll spoil the hell out of it for you. But with me is my good friend, Jason Pitts, independent director. Say hello to everybody. Hello. How's everyone doing tonight? So... Here's the thing. I really loved this film for what it is. I, I thought this movie was beautifully well, uh, was a beautifully, if you think about it, a beautifully lit uh, surroundings and stuff like that, too. Also, too, I love how the wide angles are when uh, this movie is first introduced into the town again and also showing how, how the aliens came down and how this whole entire thing happened. What I liked, too, was like how it just pan angles up on the husband. And as he's walking through the town, and we actually get to see how big the town actually is, because at the, at the very beginning of the first one, we don't really see how big this town actually is or anything like that. We just know of the drugstore. We just know that it's an apocalyptic kind of time. Now we actually get to see it in this full circle. But what did you think of the opening sequence of the film? I think the opening sequence was amazingly done. Um, I really liked how they teased you a little bit um, with the town being deserted. When he's walking through it, kind of making you think that we are, um, we, we're not before the aliens got there like we actually were because every, everyone's at this baseball game. But uh, when you're viewing it for the first time, you don't know that, and the town's deserted. All you know is what you saw from the first film. You know, it, it's a it's an apocalyptic environment, so maybe we are in that place again. Um, and I I kind of felt like that. This is something that they wanted in the first film, but they didn't have the money for it. And then because, uh, you know, the first film did so well that they had the budget to give us a little bit of a prequel uh, with, with the opening scene. And, yeah, it was it was absolutely amazing. Reminded me a lot of the opening scene in Dawn of the Dead, the Dawn of the Dead mm -hmm. remake from from just how big scale it was um, while everything was, you know, going going to crap. So, uh, yeah, it was great, great piece of filmmaking definitely i liked how they incorporated a prequel into a sequel and yeah. made it its own for like the first 10 minutes or so just to show us what's going on with this town how they're handling these aliens coming down and also too i like how the husband kind of knows what's going on because i think he works with some type of government agency based off of what i'm seeing because he seems to know his way around on how to work these aliens in a way, because remember they end up going, going from the baseball field and then they see the aliens dropping and then they go from there and they go into this uh, piece of Rhea place or whatever. And everybody's hiding and he's telling everybody just to be quiet. And that's something that I was just thinking. I'm not, I'm not sure that he knew what was going on or that he was just really smart. Uh, that, I mean, uh, John Krensky's character is probably a gene on a, on a genius level. And we saw that from the first movie, mm -hmm. um, you know, the way he was, he had all these notes and charts and stuff trying to figure out what these things are, what their weaknesses. And, and he's just, he's just a very intelligent individual. And um, I think he saw very quickly um, that they hunted by noise and that they needed to not make any noise. Like almost immediately he saw that. I, I don't think that he knew what they were or where they came from, but I think he just learned very fast on, on how to survive <clears throat> uh, with them around. 
And man, that scene where he uh, he's walking towards the cop and the one monster just like crashes mm. into the cop car. Like he didn't have time to see what the heck, like he just put, put yourself in his position. You just see something like a blur, a big loud noise. And he was running. Like he didn't even like, it was all instinct right there, I think. And just how smart he didn't stop. He, he was just gone running. Um, so yeah, he's just a very intelligent individual and with the ability to make quick decisions and a uh, very good character. Thing. He is a very good character and everything too. To be honest with you, he is a very smart character though, because he thought of everything in the first uh, film with the baby being born, putting him in the box, and then having the oxygen tank for the baby. He actually thought of every single thing for his family to be safe. And in this one, you know, I actually have to say I loved the wide shot of that police officer too, where you actually see John Quincy's character just running through the town yeah. and you're scared for them. And it's, and I actually like the fact it's not shaky cam. We mm -hmm. actually get to see everything that's happening and it gives us that more of a thrill of what's happening around him. And yeah, you're and like, that, okay. That's an interesting choice that they made. Uh, Cause typically in a movie like this, in those types of scenes, it is a shaky cam uh, to kind of convey like, you know, chaos and everything. But um like I'm with you on that. I, I like the choice of not doing that, so we can so we can see all the detail and everything of what's happening. And yeah, I I, I agree with you. Very good choice. Yeah, definitely a very good choice. I really have to like I like the pacing of it, and also too, even though we know the outcome of what happens to him in the first film in the first film and everything, we know he lives up to a certain point. But with this you still feel scared for him because you're thinking, okay, is he actually going to make this out alive? Even though we saw him in the last film, but it gives us that not so safe feeling of, yeah. of anything, which we yeah. ha haven't gotten in a while with, uh, with main characters before it makes it feel like it's a cartoonish kind of thing. It was like, ah, he's going to make it out just fine or whatever. But this you're seeing aliens being dropped everywhere. You're seeing the cops being attacked and mobbed by everybody uh, by the, um, by the aliens though too so it makes you even them slaughtered exactly the kids are getting slaughtered yeah so yeah i'm with you it was very it's very suspenseful and um even though we knew these characters were going to survive it it was um i gotta you know give them all the kudos in the world to make it still make it suspenseful even though that knowledge is there that they survive yeah right. i agree the one thing I, the, the one, and there's nothing that they really could have done about it, but these kids, it, 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 it's taking, this opening scene is taking place like a year and a half before the first movie and they're older. <laughs> right. So, yeah. <laughs> That's one of the things that I was wondering about too, though. You know, I know that, uh, I know that they're a little bit older now. I would think that, you know, Hey, we're going to do a sequel. Let's go on ahead and try and, also shoot some of those scenes while the kids are still a little younger or whatever, but still, it still works to me. It still I think, works. Yeah. yeah. And they, they did their best to make them look younger again. Like the kid was, you know, in the, in the baseball hat. So they, they, they did their best to hide the fact that they were, that they, the actors were older than in the first movie. Definitely. It, it, it did work. Yeah, it definitely did. does work and everything. And then of course, I love the scene where you actually have, um, of course, Emily Blunt's character, Evelyn, she's going in and into the car. And at the same time, you actually see a bus hitting yeah. her away. And you're like, 
you're frozen for a minute inside the theater because I know I was where the point was like I couldn't even breathe in the theater mm. because I was like, okay, what's going to happen to her? Even though she's safe because of what we saw in the first film, but still, we felt like I was. I actually felt like I was in the car with her. Mm. That's yeah, why it, it felt was, so real. It was amazingly shot, and I loved like the creature like reaching out of the bus window and like that was really awesome. And you know what that reminded me of is. It reminded me of some of those uh, amusement park rides from like Universal or or Disney World or Disneyland. Like I've I've been on a lot of those three like four D virtual reality type rides, and that's what that kind of reminded me of. That that's that particular true. scene, yeah. That that's true. It does remind you of a four D ride because I do. As a matter of fact, I was actually thinking that too in the theater. I was yeah. like, I feel like I'm on a 4D ride rather than me watching a film, but yeah. that's just how real it actually was for me. Um, then, of course, like I mentioned before, inside the diner, where you where you see this girl's phone go off, and you know, at that moment, we know that for a fact that they need to get out of there. They're in trouble. And then, <laughs> right, and then John Kalinsky's character just goes on ahead, tells his son, "Come on, we gotta go." And then they rush yeah. out. And then also, too, I like how it played pays homage to the first film because then we see um we see Emily Blunt's character going into the drugstore that they uh the, like where the where it all took place in the first movie. So I like the them playing homage to the first film. We even like even before the aliens attack when he's uh on his way to the baseball field mm-hmm. and he's buying the apples and, and yeah. the, the produce and stuff. He actually walks by the shelf with the uh, rocket ship that kills his son uh, in the right. first. Yeah, which I thought, you know, I'm like, okay, I love the Easter eggs that I'm seeing from the yeah. fir- from the first film and stuff like that. Little Easter eggs here and there, not very forced. It was perfect. And then after we see all this happening, that's when we get into our sequel, and this is also taking place right after Emily Blunt's character and them leave the house out of the farm. And everything, and we actually get to see the massive damage that the aliens have done to their barn, barn though, too, because mm-hmm. it's all happening at nighttime. So therefore, we don't see the massive damage that has actually been done. And when she walks out that door at the ending of the first film, we don't see the damage that's been done. But there's huge amounts of damage that are being done in this film. Yeah. Everything's destroyed. Yeah. Yeah, and then, you know, she's she's trying to do the best she can. She has a, a baby, and everything inside that. Um, inside that box that her husband made her and everything. And they're trying to find refuge. They're trying to find some type of sanctuary. And I love how you have this wide view of things around them because you're wondering how big the places that they're actually traveling to actually are. And then you finally go on ahead and you're getting closer to where her son winds up getting caught into the, uh, into the bear trap. Mm Mm-hmm. And everything too, because there's also traps around that area, and we know somebody's living there. There, because of course that's also part of the trailer. But still, it, it to me, there's a difference between seeing something in a trailer on a smaller screen, and then seeing something on a bigger screen, and it amplifies it even more. And I just felt horrified for that family and for the kid because you don't know what kind of people this other person might be or whatever. They could actually do kill you, t- loot you, whatever it is for whatever items you want, they need. But, you know, what did you think of that whole entire sequence? Yeah, I liked it. The bear trap, the bear trap with the kid was, was intense and well done. Uh, 
and it had me afraid for them for sure. Uh, I, I, I love the introduction of the Cillian Murphy character. I know he was at the baseball field and they kind of, uh, foreshadowed his, his role in the film, um, earlier, but I mean, it's, once you get to this part, it's, it's kind of similar to the walking dead where, and Cillian Murphy's character even says it like anyone who's left isn't worth saving. So it, it does, you are afraid on one hand, you want them to find somebody who will help them. And then on the other hand, you're afraid to meet new people because you don't know who they are or what they may do. So yeah, that, that aspect of the film was well communicated. I thought, yeah. Same here as well. And matter of fact, if I'm, to me, I thought the, I thought Amit, which is the character that you're mentioning, I feel like with him, he was close to what we got with Shane from the walking dead, to be honest with you. I thought that uh, he resembles Shane in a way. Really? Because think, of the fact... Yeah. Oh, go on. I think Shane was more ruthless than, than Emmett is. Um, I, I can see what you're saying, where they both want to uh, protect people that they perceive as their family, but but I think Shane was way on a... I mean, I, I don't think Emmett would, would shoot an Otis... No in the leg and leave him there. <laughs> you know what I mean? No, definitely not. But what I mean by that is, you know how she comes into his world mm-hmm. and he goes, okay, you have so much, so much long that you can stay and then you have to leave. Yeah. That right there told, had a little bit of shame to me because I could yeah. see him telling that to somebody else. I can see that. Yeah. But you know, then of course I like the whole entire thing where you have this underground area where they can't really get into, where these aliens can't get to them, or anything like that. And that Amit's actually set up, and then of course they also have like a little, um, they have another room where this boiler room is that they get into, and basically they can shut the door, but they are only allowed so many, so many minutes of airtime before they start They're, losing yeah. right. So I thought that setup was really, really good. They explained the rules with us with the underground area. What I loved about that is, let me get this light. Hold on. I'm sorry. But what, okay. what I loved about that is uh, they, they communicated that plot device without, without telling you about it. Like it would have been really easy for Emmett to be like, Hey, you know, we only have a certain amount of time in here before we run out of oxygen, just like one, one throwaway line to communicate that to the audience, but they didn't, they chose not to do that. And they chose to communicate that to the audience in a way uh, that is visual. And he's just got this timer that he keeps resetting and opening the door. And so we catch on pretty quick. Um, So yeah, um, that is uh, great writing. Like a, Mm -hmm. uh, a bad writer would have, would have had it, be communicated through a line of dialogue or something like that. So, right. uh, yeah, that was really well done. I liked that a lot. That's something I have to say is I feel like the, I feel like this movie makes the audience feel smart because, mm-hmm. you know, like you said, the dialogue and everything, somebody could add it in the dialogue to where they would actually put that in there and they don't treat their audience like they're dumb or anything like that. And I, that's mm-hmm. something I really appreciate from a director or, or a writer, you know, where they actually, go ahead and just t- tell you basically off of a timer or, you know, on a, or maybe just, you know, simple uh, uh, act, car- actors looking at each other and stuff like that, you know? So that's something that I really appreciate with this film. Mm-hmm. And then of course, you know, then we wind up 
seeing the damage that's been done to the kid's leg and everything else. And he's like, well, you only have so many minutes to actually stay here. You can stay here the night, but then you have to leave. And then at that point, you know, they're trying to actually heal his leg up to where they can go. And then, of course, that's when his sister finds out that there's um, that song mm -hmm. uh, that's been playing over the radio. But what did you think of that? Or did you think that was like too cliche or? I thought that was really cool because it, it, um, you saw how much like her father that she is. Cause like, uh, the father is this extremely intelligent, smart person. And then, and then we, we see that in the daughter as well. And this is one of the ways that the audience knows that she's probably as smart as he was. And she figures out this uh, this this song on this radio that is is actually a code uh, telling people where to go. And then when they get there, and they're like, "No, like you're the first people to figure it out since we got here." Basically, it, it says a lot about how smart this girl is. Yeah, Reagan is definitely a smart character, and she takes right after her father. And also, mm -hmm. too, she's also one of those people that are resilient, doesn't know when to let something go. Once it's in her mind, it's in her mind. And mm -hmm. if it's there to save her family, she's going to do whatever it takes to save her family, which is something I really appreciated. Not, with that. not just her family, but she's driven to save the whole humanity. Right. Yeah. right. Because don't forget, in the first film, her hearing aid is basically what saved them in the first place. Mm -hmm. And then I'm like, uh, this is me just thinking but from the first film. I'm like, okay, now there has to be a way for her to be able to amplify that out towards the whole entire city or wherever she's from to where those aliens will die. And I thought we would actually get in that, get that in the first film, but no, they ended up putting it into this film, which I really appreciate it. And they actually used it to its advantage. And I thought that was actually a really good way of actually getting another weakness into the aliens and everything else. And then yeah. of course, um, too. Then after she hears the song and everything, she decides that she's going to go on her own adventure and everything, even though her brother tells her, tells Reagan, do not go. You need to stay here. I'm going to be telling mom and everything when she wakes up. And she just, next morning, she's gone. Yeah. And so Very not only that, yeah, Reagan is also uh, is a deaf character. So therefore, it makes it even more scarier for somebody that's actually deaf. Even the actress is deaf in real life, though, too. Mm-hmm. And everything was just really impressive on that that caliber, though, too. But, you know, it makes you feel on edge of your seat the whole entire time when you see this girl going into this train, uh, this train yard. And the tr train yard scene looked awesome, to be honest with you. I love the wide shot of the train yard. It looked fantastic. And it gives you uh, – here's the thing. when With these wide shots, I love how they actually glue you into what sitting – this how big the sitting actually is. and doesn't look so small. Mm -hmm. And Reagan is going into this train yard, and then next thing you know, she winds up making some type of noise or whatever. And then all of a sudden, this alien comes out of nowhere. And now she has to try and shoot her – shoot this alien with a shotgun that she has. And, of course, it winds up missing the alien. And then, of course, that's when – we see uh, Amit come into play, trying to help bring um, bring her back. Yep. Yeah. Very. I. I, I agree. I think the set uh, was awesome, and uh, this is where I start getting the Last of Us vibes. 
yeah with uh emmett and uh and reagan together as uh joel and uh ellie very very much so <laughs> same here because especially yeah. when he goes look i'm bringing you back home to your mom and then reagan just looks at him and then talks in sign language and here's the thing emmett cannot speak sign language or whatever yeah. but the way that she's able to talk sign language to him to make him understand is just great. And then she says, what home? And then right there, that stops him in his tracks. He's like, yeah. okay, you go and have got, a home. Right. Exactly. Yeah. We, we don't have a home to go back to because of these monsters. And if we have a chance uh, to destroy these things and, and save everyone, we can build a home. So, yeah, exactly. And then, it cuts over to Emily Blunt's character where she does go back over to the drugstore and stuff like that and tries to get supplies for her and her son. And then also too, we also see the cross resembles this um, resembles her son that passed away in the first film. And then also too, it also represents her husband now that she mm -hmm. lost. So I definitely love how they actually make it a memento for the husband and also for the, the Sando now too. So therefore you have a little bit of a closure with for, for the husband and also closure for the son. So I thought that was actually pretty cool that they actually put that in there. I agree. And then of course we also see, uh, I like how everything's actually shot by shot at the same moments that's going on with Reagan and it goes over to the brother and he's kind of doing the same thing that she's doing in a yeah. sense. He's doing his own exploring inside this building area where Emmett's been located at. And then at the same time, Emmett and Reagan is doing their own exploring where these boats are, because that's where they're trying to get to is this Island that's playing that song uh, beneath the ocean or something like that. I forgot what the name of the song actually is. Yeah. I know I've heard that song a bunch of times, even on the Meg movie, to be <laughs> honest with you. Uh, yeah. But yeah, so we wind up seeing uh, the, her brother go up the stairs and then she winds up finding a dead body up there that happens to be been there for a long time, even when Emmett was around. And then at that same moment, what did you think about that? At first I was like, okay, is this part of Emmett's family? Mm -hmm. That's another yeah. initial thought. I felt like it was a huge red herring because I, the way the, the way the film is paced there going back and forth, like you were mentioning, I felt like, uh, the, the boy was going to find something that clued us in that Reagan was in trouble and, mm. and that Emmett wasn't a good guy uh, and that he was actually, uh, a you know, a, a villain or something and was probably going to harm her. And I think that that was Emmett's wife that the boy mm. found. And um, I, I really that really sent me down a rabbit hole. I was like, oh, my God, are, are they going to make Emmett a, a villain, uh, which would have been okay, I guess. Um, I think, I, I don't know uh, how that would have played out, but that was the vibe I was getting right there. And it's interesting that they did that and then didn't do anything with it. You see, I thought the same thing though, to be honest with you, because we also see the drawings that Ammon has mm -hmm. though too, which makes it even more creepy in that sense though too and i also thought the same thing to be honest with you i thought okay reg is in trouble emily blunt's character now has to go in hand and try and get her her daughter out of that situation now mm -hmm. but instead i'm glad to be honest with you i'm glad they didn't go that route 
of him being a villain because I feel like your main target is the aliens. Getting rid of the aliens is your main focus. If you put too many other elements into this film, it might take me out of it because I don't really feel like I need to have a big bad actual villain whenever they're actually going after the other ones. So what it did instead of doing that is actually more interesting for the character because I think that they came to him just in time. Like I think he was on the verge of insanity and they brought him back. Mm-hmm. And that, that scene where he finds the body and the drawings that uh, I think that that was meant to clue us in uh, to that fact that he was, he was on the verge of, of straight insanity. And, and these, mm-hmm. this, this family kind of brings him back, especially the girl. So definitely and very because- interesting. Very interesting. Well, remember what uh, the daughter says. Remember what uh, Reagan says to him and everything. This is your chance to redeem yourself, basically. Mm-hmm. I'm not going yeah. for a verbatim or anything like that, but this is now your chance to do something that's noble instead yeah. of you hiding away and not doing anything at all because doing nothing at all also has consequences behind it. And, you know, I feel like she was the one who brought him back in yeah. a sense. Because started. I think she started it. Mm-hmm. But I think uh, uh, the the little girl. I think I think she she really brought him all the way. True, because I th- here's the thing. I'm thinking that if they didn't come around, I think Emmett would have probably killed himself with him. Either that or turned turned into some insane person. Yeah, but you're probably right. He probably would have killed himself. Right, because I if he's going that far into insanity, I would think that he would probably wind up killing himself over the guilt of his family that he lost and things like that, everything else that he encountered. So I'm thinking on that term, but you know, I definitely loved how the kid discovers the body. And then of course he winds up falling over to try and catch himself. And then that's also what causes the aliens to go ahead and try to attack that area. And then at the same time, now you're dealing with looters. You're dealing with other bad people in this universe, which I liked. I liked the fact that they actually put them in there and they're not there for the whole entire movie yeah. or anything like that, where they are holding the daughter hostage. Now it comes to a time of doing survival. Again, again right. it was very the last of us because that happens right. throughout the game. Right. Uh, both games really, but uh, there were, you run into bad people that you have to take care of. And, and you know, the monsters are actually really close to the, uh, the clickers as well. I think that's true. Yeah. And then um, at that point, though, they're trying to get, um, trying to take Allie in, not mm-hmm. not Allie, uh, trying to take uh, Reagan in. Reagan, yeah, yeah, Reagan, uh, Reagan in and everything too. And at the same time, Amit is actually being held hostage too, and they're and he's thinking the worst for her because yeah. they're going to use her just like how they use in this other little girl to do their bidding and stuff. And of course, she. She can't hear. Regan can't hear or anything like that either. Mm-hmm. So I liked how you see Amit and this, how scared he is for her. And he tells her to dive, giving her, giving her the keyword to dive under the water on his mark. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, that's when we when we see him strangle himself to underneath the water. He goes underneath the water, though, too. And he also his neck is also wrapped around with a noose and everything too. So what did you think of that scene? Well, I liked, I liked how 
it threw back to the beginning of when when he asked her about how to say dive you know in sign right. language it's the it's the one sign language w- word he knows <laughs> and and so uh that was a good that was a really good payoff and throwback to the beginning of when he learned that at the baseball game and uh so that was that was well done uh i i uh I think the the monster coming in and just killing all of those uh the all of the uh the looters and 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 guy those guys was awesome. Um like you said like uh, there's another wide shot uh this movie's full of just these beautiful wide shots and this thing comes in on the dock and just throws all these people around. This is when I started thinking about uh like I never have seen these creatures eat anyone. Like and this this scene in particular is what made me start thinking about it. Like, it just comes in and just starts slashing and throwing right. people around. Like, what what are these things doing? Like, are I don't think they're hunting for food, or they're just they're just they're, they're just hunting us just to kill us. What I'm thinking is is the fact that they don't like the noise, so they don't know what to do with the noise. So they're going to try and kill oh, anything that. But but they use the noise to like they open up their head to let the noise in. If the noise if they didn't like the noise, they would like close it and protect. Like not hear it, right? True, but also too. I mean, I feel like they're hunting, but but when they find something, they don't eat it or anything. They just slaughter it. So right. I, it's I'm kind of confused a little bit. Me too. I'm hoping maybe with the third film, maybe they might break into that because yeah. I like the fact too that they actually gave them another weakness aside from the noise that the girl has. The water. The water, which I never thought of. To be honest with you, I'm like. And then I'm thinking, whenever they're on the docks and everything, this is when the question starts coming to me. I'm like, can they swim? Mm-hmm. Can they? Can they? Do they have the ability to swim? And then, of course, they don't. They drown. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, okay. So weakness is their is their big um, the big thing is water. And then they also can't stand the noise of, of course, with um, Reagan's uh, hearing aid and everything being yeah, loud. Frequency feedbacks, right? Feedback, yeah. So at this point, uh, when it was revealed that they can't swim, I thought, I thought you just you get on a boat, right, and you go like a mile out, and then you make a bunch of noise, and then they all come to you and drown. <laughs> <laughs> that seems like a logical thing to do, you know? Yeah. It's like you know what? Screw the whole entire sequence thing. We're just gonna go on ahead. I'm gonna fall in the water, and you're going, and that's gonna be it. Yeah, but. It doesn't wind up happening that way. And then, of course, it goes back over to... It just shows you how badass uh, Evelyn is, which is uh, is played by, of course, um, Emily, Blunt's, Emily mm-hmm. Blunt. It just shows you how much of a badass she is because she's going to do anything she can to protect her kids, including her baby and everything, too. Because don't forget, her son, Amit, goes back and everything, shuts the uh, boiler room door, Next thing you know it and everything, he can't breathe. And also, too, that oxygen tank's running low, which is also another reason why she went into that drugstore in the first place to get more supplies, more oxygen tanks for the baby. And he's basically trying to share oxygen between the baby and him, trying to survive until his mom gets back. And then I also liked how, you know, Evelyn goes on ahead, puts the oxygen tank down, makes some noise, and then she shoots the oxygen tank, distracting uh, the aliens so that we can go down to the underground hold where they are. 
And then she winds up seeing that the boiler room door is actually shut, which is causing the oxygen not to come into the room because he forgot to take the little white uh, cloth that they have at the time to where it would, wouldn't the, lock. The sprinkler system comes on, too, making a bunch right. of noise that helps cover right. her. Yeah. But yeah, I thought that scene was really, to be honest with you, I was actually on the edge of my seat on that scene. Mm. It was like, intense, like, yeah. Yeah. The intensity of this film is really it's good when you see chart. this. Yes. Yeah. From beginning to end. So I have to say, I, I love that. And then, of course, she's trying to get her, revive her son. The, and of course she does. And then they come out of the room and everything. And then, then after that, it goes back over to Emmett and uh, Reagan. And the, then they finally reach the island. And one of the things I learned from The Walking Dead, if there's a bunch of people being happy, there's something <laughs> that's going to go wrong. They're about to die. <laughs> right. <laughs> or but, we're about we to get, find... We do get a really nice moment uh, that kind of mirrors The Walking Dead. I don't know if you remember, but when they first got to Alexandria mm -hmm. and Rick he heard the sound of children laughing... And his, like his, his reaction to that, just going from like this hardened, grizzled person to like his, his face just falls and it's, he becomes like almost to the point of crying, just just from the sound of children laughing. And we get the, almost the exact same scenario with Emmett when he hear when he hears the children laughing around the campfire. Um, it, it's I I I felt like it was just like straight out of that scene from The Walking Dead. Definitely, because you see a little bit of a human side to Amit. Don't yeah. get me wrong; we saw a human side to him whenever he's with um, with Reagan and everything. But now we actually see his defense drop, mm -hmm. and his shields are down, and we have that little heart 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 moving moment with him mm -hmm. because he looks at the other people and everything around him, and he goes on and he asked. Um, as a matter of fact. The name of the character is a man on the island. That's the that, that's the name. <laughs> that's the credit. <laughs> yeah, that's his name. A man on the island is actually, island. <laughs> uh, but just played by Digimon Hanso. And if you don't yes. know him or anything like that, he's a great actor. He played in uh, Never Back Down. He played in Blood Diamond. Yeah. And other films. This guy is a great actor. I strongly recommend I was, anything that he plays in. I was shocked to see him in such a small role. You me know. too as well because it was here's the thing whenever i see him i'm like it's always good to see him because i don't yeah. hardly see him in hardly anything and then i'm like well how long is he going to be around it's <laughs> another thing but you know i like how he looks at him i like how Emmett looks at him and said and he said how did you get everybody here mm -hmm. what what made you think that this would be the great uh, a place for refuge he said as soon as i knew that they couldn't swim i knew that we had a chance Yep. And then, you know, she he goes, Well, who found us? Who found the island? He goes, It wasn't me. He points over to Reagan, and, th and then his defense is also dropped down a little bit too. And he's just very impressed with her. Yeah. On how brave like, she is. How brave she is, and that uh somebody actually finally figured out the code that they were broadcasting, which is interesting to me. Like why why do they they never explained this but my question was why don't they just say it 
Like, hey, we're on this island over here. Why does it have to be a code? Like, these creatures aren't listening to the radio. So I, I, I don't know. Like, the only thing I can think of is that they want, like, really smart people to find the island. And it's like some kind of filtration uh, thing where if they, if they just said, hey, we're at this island, come, come, come to us then like some bad people might hear it, but bad people are smart too. So that doesn't make sense to me either. I don't know. Right. I, 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 I kind of don't get that part. <laughs> I don't either, to be honest with you. I mean, I like the fact that they gave us that little bit of a nod toward that with that song, but at the same time, I'm like, okay, so if there are bad people over here, they can still find you no matter what, unless they're hiding from somebody else. Yeah. I don't That's know. another factor. But still, there's another thing that we forgot to mention, though, too. Whenever they're escaping off that boat dock, there is another boat that happens to have one of those aliens on that boat. And at first I'm thinking, okay, maybe that alien might just go on ahead, fall in the water, and he's dead. Mm-hmm. No, he winds up on that uh, island with it, with them. Yeah. And so it's, it's the same boat that we saw from the boat, boat docks and everything. And then, of course, we wind up seeing... Um, Gamut going around searching the island, finding stuff. And you know what, though? I was also thinking this, though, too. Like, maybe there's something that they're hiding. I went into instant Walking Dead mode. Maybe, <laughs> you know, because, you know, you go around traveling, traveling around a certain area you don't know, and you wind up finding something you might not want, want to know. Yeah. And as soon as I heard the little dumps of the boat i'm like okay something's not right here mm-hmm. and then we find out what it is and it's the boat that had the alien on it then Amit puts two and two together that this alien has actually is on the Made island with out. them yeah. yep and tears through everybody yeah pretty much <laughs> just rips through all the kids that were laughing like five minutes ago <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that that was uh that's my major my major problem with the film. I, I love it the whole thing as a whole, but my major problem is um, the boat making its way to the island randomly, because uh, these creatures, as far as I know, they can't drive boats, they can't steer. <laughs> um, so you have this boat that has been untethered from the dock and it's just floating there. It could go in a million different directions. It could get caught on you know, half a dozen different currents, but it just happens to very quickly make its way to the island that they went to. Especially so I, a boat that's not running either. Exactly. Yeah, thing. it's just floating, right? It's just floating. <laughs> <laughs> and so, that, that didn't make sense to me either, to be honest with you. That's one little small nitpicky thing I, I had with the film. That That's my biggest flaw in the movie is that that plot point there. Uh, there's, there's the music. Uh, I don't understand the point of the music on the the radio, and then the, this boat making its way to the island are my two major major gripes. <laughs> well, I just had an I just had an idea on why they put the music in there though too, but mm-hmm. it also goes back to them saying, "Well, why didn't they just go on ahead and just say where they are?" Yeah. But I'm thinking maybe because hey, look, you guys are not the only ones out there. We're out here too, mm-hmm. and we're located at this island. But that still doesn't fit. Yeah. That's still the same thing. Same thing, yeah. <laughs> so hopefully they'll explain that in A Quiet Place 3 whenever this does ha- happen and everything. But, mm-hmm. you know, uh, 
that's like a little small thing that yeah, I didn't like about it either. Small little things. Overall, the movie was amazing. The mixing of it was really good. The whole yeah. mixing of it. Especially whenever... Here's the thing. I even said this in the first movie. Whenever you see uh, Regan's hearing, when you can hear it, I thought the mixing was really well done. Don't get me wrong. I've seen that effect a bunch of times in a lot of movies. It's just a certain way that they've done it in this movie makes you a lot more fearful for that character mm-hmm. because she can't hear anything and it amplifies it even more. And uh, to me, it just works in that aspect. Yeah. Movies like this uh, where sound is, is very prevalent. Um, you're able to like, just make sound into almost like another character, just, you know, sound itself. Right. And really, really play with that. Um and it makes for really compelling movies. It, it, it's kind of similar to uh, 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 what don't 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 speak. breathe don't, don't breathe. breathe. Yes, yeah, yeah. kind of similar to that. Yeah, where That's sound. That's a really good one. Yeah, it is, and and it's it's along the same lines where where they play with sound a lot in in both the movies. So very very. And another point that I think is interesting is. Um, um, what what's the little girl's name again? Reagan. Yeah, Reagan. Yeah, her her uh, her disability. Uh, and and the, this family had to learn to communicate without sound. Um, turned into a strength. Um, not just in this movie, but mm-hmm. in the first one as well. Right. And I think that really helped. I I love it when when perceived. Uh. uh disabilities or um uh weaknesses turn out to be strengths you know and they save you and and i really think that this family's ability to communicate without uh sound uh demonstrated that that it was a a strength same Uh, here i I love whenever uh you have disabilities or something like that that winds up being somebody's weaknesses and turns out to be somebody's strength later on in the film and they don't even realize it until like mm -hmm. later on so that's something that i was really that i really liked about the first one as well as this one i also mentioned that on the first film though too Mm -hmm. um then of course then after that happens we wind up going into the whole entire radio thing after of course the man on the island dies um (laughs) and then (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and uh so we see this see that one alien uh tearing through the whole entire dj booth and stuff like that going into the studio and i was thinking to myself okay is Emma going to sacrifice himself to save her mm-hmm. and is this going to be another factor where she's going to lose somebody else that she cares about i really thought that too and I felt like it was really set up because he was told multiple times by different members of the family, you are not, um, you know, their dad, like you're not him. That, right. that, that was told to him multiple times. So I thought that they were really building to this uh, moment where he does the same thing uh, that the dad did in the first one. So I, I was with you on that. I thought that was going to happen. <laughs> same here. And then of course, that's when she goes on ahead, puts the her hair in aid to the speaker, making it go, la- making it amplify out through the whole entire city. Also, too, her brother's listening to it. He quickly removes the earphones to let, and that's also an indication to let him know that she's okay. Mm-hmm. Yep. But what did you think of how they did that? But also, too, 
when she's crawling through the window and everything too. And I'm I'm like this e because yeah. she's she's taking she's taking one foot at a time and then she yeah. thinks she's gonna knock something over. It's very suspenseful. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I liked it. Uh, I think I think it was it was done well. I um, the only thing that I, I the the whole idea of getting to the radio station and and using uh, this mechanism to broadcast uh, the feedback. I don't see how that can work uh, as a whole. The first problem is everyone has to be listening to that. Well, the first problem is everyone has to have access to this radio station. Like we had to have a radio and right. we're in like a post apocalyptic uh, <laughs> thing. And um, not everyone's going to have a, a access to a radio. Right. Right. And if they do, how are they going to know to tune into that channel? That's true. Right? That's and, also another thing. And, uh, and then the other thing is, so you got to have a radio, you got to know what channel to turn it into and it has to be working. Uh, I imagine electricity isn't working so that you got to have batteries for it. Um, how long are the batteries going to, I just, I don't know the whole idea, <laughs> the whole idea, there's a lot of problems with it, but for, I mean, it worked in the movie. <laughs> I'm just, right. yeah. but we have to assume maybe there might be some other survivors out there that might have been able to accidentally stumble upon it like Reagan did. Yeah. And go from there. But still, that's like a small chance. It's like a needle in you're, a haystack, to be honest. Exactly. It is. You're still in a situation where you pretty much have to go. You, you have to protect, you know, your people and and be able to fend these things off as they come or just go around, you know, one by one killing these things until they're all gone. Uh, I, I don't think the radio station idea, I, I think it's a, it's a cool idea, but I don't think it works practically. Definitely not. Definitely not practical at all, to be honest with yeah. you. But uh, this also sets up to, for a quiet place three mm-hmm. and everything for it to be. Now, what are you hoping for a quiet place three? If you're going to speculate on what they hope that they do. I would like to see more Cillian Murphy. I think uh, I love the actor. Um, and uh, I think that there's a lot to dig into his character that was un- untouched. Um, a lot of psychology there of what he lost that that can be uh, dug into. Um, I love I love the character of Reagan. I think uh, uh, she's very intelligent. She's very uh, brave. Um, and just just seeing her uh, grow in this world could be really rewarding. I think, uh, kind of like a John Connor thing, where she just like becomes this leader of of this group of people fighting back against these things. Okay, so I think that's everything that I wanted to say as far as the movie goes and stuff like that. What about mm-hmm. you? Any more final thoughts on it? No, uh, I think overall I'd give it an eight out of ten. I think it was okay. very well paced very well shot acting was great there's like a couple couple like just logic problems i had throughout the thing but uh overall very good okay and for I, me I, I think it's probably the best horror film we've seen so far this year 
I agree, especially with the three. Well, the two other ones that I've seen recently, mm-hmm. but we're going to review that one later on, though, because yeah. I know that we have something that we want to talk about with Spiral, the Book of Saw. Mm-hmm. So we'll probably do that one soon. Mm-hmm. Um, so, anyways, uh, that's going to be everything that I want to say. As a matter of fact, if I had to go ahead and give this a score out of five, it would be like a four out of five for me. Mm-hmm. So, uh, out of five, I think I'd go four. Four out of five, yeah. Okay, and what? Here's my question. Where can everybody follow you if they want to follow you? Uh, I'm a big Facebook guy. So uh, search for me on Facebook. Uh, Jason Pitts on Facebook. I do have a YouTube channel. Um, I have a, uh, a short film up that you can watch for free there called Alone. And uh, you can just search on YouTube, Jason Pitts Alone. And you'll be able to find that and enjoy it, hopefully. <laughs> All right. And everybody, you guys can go on ahead and follow me at Movie Lovers TV Lovers Unite on Facebook. Oh. Underneath the same. Oh, can I do ahead. one more thing? Yeah, sure. I'm sorry. Uh, I am shooting a uh, Jason Voorhees fan film in October, and we need all the help we can get supporting it. We have a uh, fundraising campaign on Kickstarter, so you can go on Kickstarter and search for Voorhees Night of the Beast, and you can find that there. I'm, I'm sorry, John. I didn't mean to interrupt you. No, no, no. You're fine, man. You're totally fine. But anyways, if you guys want to, go in and follow me at Movie Lovers TV Lovers Tonight on Facebook, on Instagram, and on Pinterest as well. If you want to, go in ahead and get an audio-only podcast episode of this show or whatever whatever else shows that we actually do. Another thing, too, is go in ahead and if you want to, go in ahead and donate to our page. How do you do that? Just go to www.gofundme.com forward slash Movie Lovers Podcast. Then, of course, if you want to and follow me on uh, Twitter as well, Movie Lovers Unit. Go on ahead and follow me over there. And those are all the places they can reach me at. And always until next time, guys, it's been real. It's been fun. Can't wait to do this again. And bye-bye. Bye. Hello, movie lovers. And welcome to the show. This is your host, as always, from Movie Lovers Unite, John DiGorio. And I just want to sit, talk about something real quick. And that is Audible. What is Audible? I'm so glad that you guys asked. Audible is the leading provider of spoken word entertainment and audio books, ranging from bestsellers like Anne Rice, Stephen King. The list just goes on. Their whole entire catalog, when it comes down to audiobooks, is just fantastic. If you're on, on the road and everything and you want an audiobook and you want to download it fast, go ahead, go to Audible. You're not going to regret it. They actually have a trial right now that you guys can actually jump on. You can actually go on ahead, go to the link, and it'll bring you up to that trial. And a matter of fact, every month, members actually get one credit to pick any title, plus two Audible originals from a monthly selection and access to daily news digest. From the New York Times, the Wall Street Journal, and the Washington Post, as well as guided meditation programs. Another thing, too, guys, that's not all they have. They also have, they also have finish. If you actually want to go ahead and do some things to actually better yourself for 2021, they have stuff for that too, like finishing more books or becoming a better parent, leader, or a person. How-to books, which is something that everybody seems to grab onto a lot lately. And everything else. So if you guys are actually looking for something to maybe better yourself for 2021, go on ahead, check out those books as well. They have a big catalog. You guys won't regret it. Go ahead, click on the link below in the description notes. Go on ahead. You guys won't regret it. Sign up for that trial period. And always until next time, stay safe, guys, and enjoy the show. And God bless.